Hello, and welcome to Lockdown Film Festival Conversations. In this week's episode, we discuss the 2015 film Tangerine, starring Katana Kiki Rodriguez and Maya Taylor. When a transgender prostitute finds out that her boyfriend and pimp has been cheating on her, she tears around West Hollywood to get revenge on Christmas Eve. Thank you for joining us, and here's the conversation. Week 30, <laughs> and it was Neve's pick of Tangerine, written by Sean Baker and Chris Burgock, and directed by Sean Baker. And I will now pass over to Neve to let us know why she picked it and to lead the discussion. Steve, gratefully from Gus. Um, thank you. Um, I picked it because I it was on my radar for a while um, as one I wanted to watch. Um, and then I had a panic on the day because I forgot and it was like half 11 and it was on all four. And I thought, why not? Looks fun. Comedy, bit change it up a bit, you know. Um, still set at Christmas for people that can't let go. All the good things. Um, and might bring, you know, a new world and a new sort of lifestyle to certain people, uh, which I thought would be interesting. It's also got a very unique way of being filmed, but we'll get on to that. So see how much people liked or disliked that. Oh, I meant to have questions. Yes. Um, so, well, yeah. Uh, how do people like how it's filmed? What do people think? I think for me straight away, I don't know if anyone's the same, watching it, there's something about an iPhone with the older ones where as it films, the frame rate on videos in the background just seems very glitchy. So first, straight away when they were sat there having that conversation, I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. But within 20 minutes, I didn't care. I thought it was brilliant the way it was shot. Yeah. So really it, filmed on an iPhone. it was filmed using three iPhone 5Ss and they bought oh. and sort of helped out a Kickstarter to get a few different lenses so they could do the wider shots um, and some of the like editing afterwards. But the whole film had a budget of 100 grand, which is ridiculously cheap. Um, and what they saved on all the filming equipment they spent on extras and like paying the crew better wages and stuff. Yeah, so I think for like the first 10 minutes it was like, oh, this is interesting the way that it's using a phone, this is cool. And then I just completely disregarded it because it still looked really cool mm-hmm. and really great with how it was done. I thought the colours in some of the scenes, like the bathroom scenes, was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just made me want to go out and make a film saying like, oh, if they, okay, it's still a hundred grand. But if this is just three iPhones, it's, it's doable to some extent then. Uh, yeah, I thought it was great. See, I, I would agree. Oh, go on, off. I was going to say, I um, was slightly different to start with, as Gus will attest to, as I texted him last night, five minutes in, like, what is this? Because like, <laughs> the first scene where they were, like, in the, in their in donut time, and they were going from, like, person to person to person, mm. Like her. He went, so Are you gonna do this the whole film? I was like, I don't know, I'm not sitting. <laughs> <laughs> right, so that so then as the film went on, um there was more and more as like how the fuck have they done this on a phone? Yeah. And it was yeah. unreal. Um so like yeah, I put my initial reaction aside and uh was very, very pleased with it. I thought it was amazing. Mm. All I was going to say was I think they they were very smart in the I fact that they felt like 
There <laughs> <laughs> we go. You go, Laura. Maybe Laura. This is a hot spot curse. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> just like when I was texting Anna and I said, like, I just found myself smiling for loads of it all through. And I didn't realize it was filmed on a phone. I just thought it was like, almost like documentary style but the style I actually thought it felt like was vlogs I thought it felt like you were going along on a vlog and it was kind of like you know people were aware a camera was there but they were just trying to show you what they were doing almost and as a result I almost felt like almost like it was someone you're friendly with and who you genuinely like being like look I'll, I'll show you a day in my life like come with me and as a result I was just watching like <laughs> until it got to the really angsty uncut gem scene in the donut shop that freaked me out and I was like oh there's too much noise Stop. Max, Max literally said this is like a, so uncut gemsy Laura's gonna hate it was it. I was gonna it's, say if anyone likes that hated uncut gems I was gonna <laughs> <laughs> like, I think man. there was yeah just a lot of noise in that scene that kind of made me get a bit oh, but I guess that was the intention I didn't like that scene particularly either. Mm. I felt it was a bit much, but I absolutely loved the film overall. All I was going to say was the, one. I think the one, they, they were very smart in the fact that they, they I think, lent into the limitations of what the equipment they were using were. Like they didn't, they <coughs> were aware of how it was going to be super kind of overexposed and like they really lent in with the colour. They were like, they didn't try and, the colour was so saturated and it was like the moment when Cindy was leaving the subway station and the flash of the sun just kind of broke through the camera. And so they just took that and made that the end transition of that scene yeah. rather than trying to avoid using, because obviously, you know, ca iPhone cameras like that, they really struggle with light, basically. The intuitive, if there's too much light, they're going to really struggle. And they lent, they didn't stop themselves from filming with a lot of light, which I really thought was great. It would be very easy for them to kind of film it all you know, inside at night where it's slightly easier to maybe manage what they were doing. And they chose to be more authentic with the timeline of the film, even though it would maybe harm some shots here and there. Yeah, I thought there were some incredible shots. There were a couple, one when um, Alexandra was singing and I think it was just like a mid shot on her. And I thought it was stunning. That's when I remembered, oh shit, this is filmed on an iPhone because it looked so impressive. And in terms of just like shot composition, I thought that the car wash uh, scene yeah. was fantastic. The way it was just sat in the, behind them for one shot was just really, really smart. The, the camera placement here was mesmerizing. Like Max said, I first, I knew this film going in was shot on iPhones, but first maybe two minutes, I was aware just to do with like the graininess a little bit, but then completely forgot until you know long way through the film. And it's super impressive. Yeah, a lot of the shots kind of stuck with me afterwards and particularly mm. the final shot and the final like thing that they cut to black on where they're holding hands in the washing. Um, yeah. Matt was just so, so gorgeous. And uh, yeah, like every, yeah, similarly to everyone, I'm not going to repeat it, but with, with the, at first with the kind of shots, I was like, oh God, is this going to work? <laughs> and then as the film went on, I found myself like, kicking myself like thinking shit this is all on phone <laughs> 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 fucking hell <laughs> it says a lot about skill behind the camera you know yeah. director and a director of photography just it's just mm. about what you put in the frame and if you're if you're clever then it can just look fantastic regardless of what camera you're using yeah 
I think there's an element of why the first scene is so kind of jarring to look at. I think it's because that I think there's so much lack of space mm. from where the camera is and where they are that, and obviously because the camera's not that advanced, it can't quite capture the depth of field that well. So I think it looks really off because you're yeah. watching someone who looks closer than they are, but they're being pushed back in the frame of it. So I think that's, and I think that's the only scene I can really remember where that felt like the case. I think from then on, there was lots of, they had more space to play with. Like even when they went back to Donut Time towards the end of the film, there was very little shots like close up. They were shot kind of more um, like along the build, along the, mm. you know, the kind of corridor in the Donut Time rather than against it, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. yeah there was, there was a great sense of space, so much tracking and following shots. Like um, it was like watching people walk was just really interesting. And like this kind of part of LA or, or California or whatever that don't normally get shown a lot. It's not the, you know, the glitzy, shiny side of it. And it's like, it was really just quite cool just following them around. Like Lara said, like it being a bit of a vlog, like that sense of just space and and the, the kind of urban nature of the environment was just kind of nice to take in. There was this thing that like I noticed as people were walking around where they kind of have a scene of someone walking from somewhere to the next, the next kind of big confrontation either, and there'd be this kind of pounding dance music in the background. And after a few drinks, it's unreal. Like, there's <laughs> argument, and then they're like, right, on to the next one. And then she's like marching down the street with this dance music going up. Loved it. So much fun. Really kept me engaged. <laughs> I love the music. I thought it was such a good yeah. addition. Especially, was there the bit where there was like the really, Alex will know this, it was like some sort of classic-y shit, but then it just like slowly went into like... I was like, I love this. This is my I jam. Didn't, I, didn't, I didn't get that. That was Beethoven's Coriolanus Overture. I don't. I didn't, didn't really understand it. Was it? Just casually. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It's an odd it piece this. of classical music to use. I'd like to know. It's probably on IMDb, to be fair. I can look it up. It's just like, it's not, it's not used in film that much. But yeah, it was, it was interesting. But he doesn't, Sean Baker doesn't use, ever use, well, from what I understand, doesn't use composers. He always uses um, uh, pre-existing tracks, which is interesting because there are sections of this film that do sound like a score, mm. but there is not a score. And I think that's really interesting choice. It's very, you know, either very knowledgeable or very lucky. Yeah. <laughs> like a mixtape. I... <laughs> was chatting to Neil about it earlier and I said I, I watched Rome, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet over Christmas and it really reminded me of that a lot with the really like pounding loud music and then mm. switching to the classical and then the saturation of the the, um, the actual film as well um, and it just really reminded me of that like high energy intensity um, that you get from that and just the way that Shakespeare's are often filmed for for film in the modern day, it reminded me a lot of the way that that, that this was shot. Mm. I think it's trying to sort of play with that expectation, isn't it? And that clashing of like classical music being highbrow and the for the cultured and whatever. And you're seeing the mix of these two, what you're expecting these sort of people in their life and their world to sound like versus mm. how it can be portrayed and how it can be beautiful and highbrow mm. as well and whatever. Yeah, because it started off as well with a very like old Hollywood-esque opening. Mm. Um, mm. And then obviously you had, was Alexandra singing a very old Hollywood-esque song? Um, 
and around that moment in time you had the two of them in the bathroom and it was such a serene show I remember watching it in the bath and I was like leaning over just like staring at it it was so beautiful with all the lights like the disco lights going around um but you had such so many like, juxtapositions of like intensity and quiet which I really liked about it Mm. something I really liked was it did this very it was a very interesting choice I think in the way that they kind of showed you the location of the film because I think it would have been really easy to just have those kind of classic established shots of like we're going to put the camera here and we're just going to let we're going to put you like on a, on a crosswalk or something and you're just going to watch this for two three seconds so you have a sense of where you are and they kind of never did that. And there's a lot of moving around in this film, like a lot of walking, a lot of traveling, a lot of action, a lot of pace. And they didn't waste any of that time going, oh, by the way, this is now where we are. You saw it as they moved, but it didn't constantly be like, right, now we're mo- we've gone from here and you know what that is, right? Now we're going to give you an establishing shot of where we've gone to. They didn't do that. They didn't waste time with that. And I really appreciate that because it is a film that for the first kind of, half an hour, 40 minutes is so predicated on how quick it is and how fast and how mobile everything feels about it. And so to take away kind of any unnecessary kind of stationary shot, I thought was a, was great. You think that is kind of linked to though, the fact that she spends the first half of the film asking people where she needs to go next, like everywhere, she, for all there isn't that establishing shot, it is always preceded by someone saying, oh, you should go here. And then she's there. Does that make sense? Like, I wonder if perhaps because we're hearing where she's going, the filmmakers didn't necessarily feel the need to show where she's going. Maybe, but then that's definitely true. But I think there's elements to which this is an area of Hollywood that's, you know, not that well known by people. So I'm not sure whether the characters telling telling her where to go would necessarily help us Mm -hmm. as an audience, even if we were from America or from the kind of California region. But that's definitely, definitely probably true. That they didn't need those shots because you're right, they did just tell you where they were going. Mm. I think it's a good point, Gus. I think you just I did not not one that I thought about, but it just adds to the erratic nature of of the the adventure, doesn't it? Like there's just like snatches of places and you don't really get to linger anywhere apart, I guess, and then apart from when Alexandra's singing, but not even that necessarily. But then in donut time it pays off in that we actually stay in one place for quite a considerable amount of time as the action comes to a head. So yeah, the way it's shot and put together makes me so much more like, oh, is he sitting <laughs> cut off? Yeah. Sorry, Harry. <laughs> I think you cut off me. No, no, I was, I was done. I would have started rambling, so thanks. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that the way it's shot, I think, um, and put together, like even at the beginning when they're cutting between the two women and the taxi driver, um, mm-hmm. just made me so enwrapped in the story. I think it's such an unusual story that's just so exciting and cool that I was just like, constantly wanted to know what, where they were going to head next and what they were doing next. When they, when she was dragging that poor girl all, all around LA. Oh my God. And yet she actually had, you know, she actually had like red marks all up her left yeah. arm on, on the bus. She had blood on the, because you only had one like flip flop on or something. Yeah. Didn't you? So there like, were other yeah. things like Even right at the end. Concrete and stones and stuff. Yeah, yeah. even yeah. right at the end. That Cinderella reference, because that was quite fun. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah like the consistency of it, like right at the end when she still just only had one bloody flip flop on, I was like this book. <laughs> but like the whole the way it was all put together and quite came to a head at the end was yeah, it was just so brilliant. I think I agree. Like I thought the the amount we saw the taxi driver was a, like 
a very good amount because the kind of, let's say the main plot of Cindy and Alexandra for the first 25, 30 minutes is so like route one, if that makes sense. Like it's a, this is the goal and that's, I'm going for the goal. There's no, not really a lot of kind of veering off to either side. And so to have those little moments where you saw this person here, you were like, because I kept expecting his role obviously I became very obvious reasonably early on when I first saw him I thought he was going to be that kind of like Jesse Plymouth's in Vice type character whereby you see them throughout and you don't know why they're kind of connected to this story and they're right at the end they kind of collide um but obviously I was wrong that's not true at all but um I was gonna say I thought he two things one I thought he was going to be the boyfriend um because of how it was at the start until then obviously we learned more and second of all you know the guy who threw up in his car I was like, I recognise you from somewhere. I looked up, he was in Glee. Was yeah. like, That's a great <laughs> that, the, he, the, the Him throwing up, like, disgusted me so much. For a second, I thought it was just like, uh, they, it was like found footage as kind of thing yeah. of like, they literally yeah. were letting random people into the car. But then I thought, no, I do, re- I was the same as you. I was like, I do recognise this guy, but that looks so disgustingly real. That was yeah. like, oh, oh, no. That's one of the greatest things like, on, st- on screen six I've ever seen. Like, it was horrible. <laughs> So it, it was like little pockets like that though that really I think they did some really good character establishment early doors like that made me instantly feel for the cab driver so much mm-hmm. and then when Alexandra is nearly fucked over by the guy and then they get in the fight and the police get involved that like put early on that put me on Alexandra's side in a, in like a there was a couple of like really good character beats early on that you just bought into their journey um this ongoing day and I just think the, the way the story was compounded, like that was super clever. Um, I think his character and his sort of existence in that world as well gave it a real sense of like that whole existence and that setting whereby when he then like approached the woman who was a cis woman and was disgusted by it, like we, or I as a viewer sided with him and was like, mm-hmm. that's weird. I wasn't expecting like, this new normal world where like that is the that's the unexpected outcome um i think having his presence there rather than us just watching these two trans characters and watching their journey as an other to us there was something that sort of bridged that understanding and (coughs) building for us which i thought was really clever Mm. that moment also gave us like another like moment of like location building without doing it because it was like he because he's like you're like because he's reasoning was something like wasn't it that this is like a, a trans prostitute area yeah. that she should as a cis prostitute she shouldn't have been there mm. and it was like yeah. oh okay like you know it's just something that you know it kind of for me came out of nowhere and then you're like oh yeah hang on well she's in the wrong why is she walking down that street what's she doing poor guy <laughs> yeah. like you know but again it's stuff like that that you know very 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 clever kind of mm. yeah I'm going to stop bringing up location from now on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to diverge slightly, Gus, and I'm going to say time. I'm going to bring up the concept of time there (laughs) early on in the conversation. All right, Christopher. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Why people think it took place on Christmas Eve? Maybe the familial thing Mm -hmm. when they all have dinner together and you found family and, and... Yeah, who you're spending it with, what you're doing on Christmas Eve. Yeah, because it added the complexity, didn't it, of the taxi driver, like, having to say, 
you know, needing to stay with his family or being obliged to stay with his family on Christmas Eve, but instead going out to find um, Cindy. Yeah, there's got to be something about family and that, you know, it finishes with, with the two of them with each other as well. And maybe something to do with the undercutting of, like, it's still Christmas Eve, but these, these women are still, you know, out doing what they need to do to survive or get by kind of thing. Like, it doesn't change. Like, in, you wouldn't know it was Christmas Eve. Take, if you just take Cindy and, and Alexandra's story without any of the decorations or mention of Christmas, you wouldn't have no idea it was Christmas Eve kind of thing. I think maybe perhaps that, like, it's just this is their day-to-day, any day kind of thing. And I mean, the same with Rasnik as well. Like, there was, mm. it was accepted that he could go back out to work. I mean, it then turned out not to be. But also then how sh- his wife accepts that their version of family might be different. She's probably mm. known something's up with him by how she responds. But for the sake of keeping that family unit together and it operating. Like, it's all about found family, isn't it, I think, mm. and those mm. connections. Yeah, and then you have... Um, is it, was it Dinah? Was that her name in the end? Um, and her complete lack of family. Yeah, and she turns up to this place where she was meant to be staying and she can't she even have a bed to stay in anymore because she's been replaced so quickly. Um, yeah, that was sad one. Really sad. Pretty tragic, actually. I thought her whole character arc was bleak as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think, like, you, when you have such, you have such like, that huge... When they're all in... The, the donut time place and it's such a crescendo at the end of yeah. the film and then you have these, these those moments right at the end where they're sat together in the laundrette and she's knocking on the door trying to get in and it's yeah. way quieter than the rest of the film i have a question uh, oh, <laughs> sorry no i'm not i know i've not said a lot it's it, i really struggled with this film i really really disliked this film very intensely but that's by the by my question is it's labelled as a comedy drama, and there was a lot of drama in this film. Did anyone find any of it funny? Because there were some bits like when she's dragging, what's her name, um, Diana around the town that I think is meant to be played for laughs, but I found that intensely disturbing. And I'm just, I don't know. I think I've really missed a trick with this film. I think it's just not, it's not computing with me, but what bits did people find funny and why did they find them funny? I laughed out loud when she was sat at the bus stop (laughs) and she was mulling off her options of like, do I do this or do I not do this? And then she went, fuck it, and stormed off. I audibly laughed at that moment because I just thought that was so perfectly nailed. I thought that was just such a brilliant moment. You knew it was coming. You knew she wasn't going to just let this go, but I thought it was so brilliantly done. The conversation. Oh, sorry. So I think sorry, why someone else go? <laughs> Hands oh, up, yeah. everyone. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought Ollie was talking. Go on, Ollie. Uh, the guy in the cafe, I think his name was Nash. The black guy in the cafe, he was very, very funny. Yeah, like, he was funny. Yeah, yeah, the rest of it, I agree with, with Jen. I found it like amusing, but not I like it's not yeah. my kind of humor but that guy in the cafe really made me laugh don't know uh the the first conversation just between alexandra and cindy cindy Cindy, i got there um like i just thought their conversation and i think that was what set me up for this kind of feeling like 
like a vlog, like just listening to two best friends talking. The fucking way she found out he was cheating, just like, oh, I'm so glad you're going to break up with him. Like, I'm so glad you finally know about the cheating. She was like, what? And I was just watching her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also laughing because it was just so realistic. And all the like, oh my God, I thought you were getting us like a donut each, but they've got one donut to share. I was like, this is like lockdown vibes, <laughs> sharing something on a park bench. Like, it was lovely. I thought it was so yeah, funny, I, but sweet. I thought a lot of the comedy just came from living. That sounds pretentious, but there weren't gags. There weren't set pieces. <laughs> and again, I feel like it's a film that's crippled by it's labelled as a comedy. Like, I feel like smaller films it's have not a comedy. Yeah, I would And it's no. not a comedy. It's a film about well you know if you have to label it there are last and i laughed out loud a lot but there were no setups here that were purposely trying to make this a comedic film it's character beats which are funny i thought it was really funny that before um cindy breaks into the grand where there's a lot of sex happening that woman is just telling a story about skating when she was a girl or something like there's just weird little pockets yeah. and the cops talking to each other is funny before they yeah. see into enters the frame these two people having a fight i just thought there were small beats of just everyday kind of humor that doesn't that's not necessarily makes this a, a knockabout kind of gag comedy um i think the car i thought i thought the car wash was just the hilarious innuendo um scene which made I, me I, I, really, I, really see. Did, I, was seeing, I thought as you said earlier harry I re- that shot was mm. i thought that was genius yeah I've never considered a car wash sexy until that scene. And I think it was all the like slow parting of of (laughs) things and like pulsing things. And I was watching, I really hope this isn't awakening something deep, deep inside. (laughs) This is a sexy scene. (laughs) I was just simply going to say that I I I think there's an element to which you know drama films now there's there's so much blur between kind of genre and like how it's very rare now you see a film that you would class as a drama that doesn't have some laughs in it unless it's like like purposefully about like serious like grief like if you're watching Mm -hmm. Manchester by the sea you're not expecting many laughs but most dramas are kind of just as funny as most comedies and like you know I, I think it's yeah, I think Harry's right. The genre classification is a bit of a fucking nightmare in general, and especially with this. Yeah, one. especially for films, smaller films like this, where you unlike to maybe have heard of it before. And um, I think we've well, I mean, I've moaned about this countless films that we've come across where it gets slapped with a a genre on the streaming service, and it doesn't really, you know, sum up what the film is about. But anyway, that's mini rant over again. Yeah, I think Jan, it took me a little while to get into the into this film. Partially, I think, on the basis that I was thinking to myself, oh, is everyone finding this absolutely hilarious? And I'm not. <laughs> but once I'd given up the goose on like laughing along, I started to just really enjoy the world because I think a lot of the time I find characters funny when I like them. And whilst like I can sympathize and try and empathize with a lot of these characters, they're doing a lot of shitty things. Mm. So I found them quite funny to laugh along with. LA, fuck LA, I'm never going to LA. <laughs> this is a really bleak world in which they're existing. Mm. And so I sort of, I, sort of try, I got into the film on that basis, you know, mm. entering this world, seeing this like 
um as Nee was mentioning you know this is another another world which i don't think i don't think we're necessarily a part of and it was just really interesting to kind of see these different characters in the you know this um i guess the kind of you know seedier side of of LA people are just like surviving and none of what I've said I think is particularly funny so I you know you know thinking of it as a comedy I think you're probably going to be disappointed and yeah why is it labeled as a comedy that's such a shame Mm. well Razmik's like mother-in-law has that line doesn't she about LA when they're talking she's saying something like why why it's not Christmas if there's no smile or something yeah exactly and she has that brilliant and as soon as she said that I was like it just feels so true. I mean, I've, you know, I've, I've never been to LA, but it just feels like a town that almost seems so created for, I don't know, a glitzed life that maybe doesn't quite exist, that it does slightly feel fake. And I think quite a lot of films in recent time have painted the city like that as this kind of like concrete, soulless area. Um, and I think, I agree, Nick, I think that really helps the placement of this film obviously there's obvious reasons for it but it does help along with the characters motivations and characters journeys throughout i went yeah. back to location again Fuck's sake. <laughs> um, i wasn't gonna say it gus <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, i have to speak that i think i mean i don't know who'd acted before and who hadn't i doubt few had but i was very impressed in the first maybe 20 seconds, I thought, oh, Cindy's not very good. And then she really was. And I was, and I thought Alexandra was exceptional and Raznik. I thought it was some amazing stuff here. And I, I know that a couple of that were actors, like I think um, Chester, Chester was an actor and um, Dinah's an actor. But as leads go, I thought it was, I was really impressed, you know, and I haven't always been impressed with them um, on actors in this. I thought film. Chester was awful. That's funny that he was an actor. <laughs> really I thought Chester was good at what he did <laughs> I thought he felt like Scott Eastwood's character in Gran Torino I just felt like yeah. this, this <laughs> seems, it seems like a veneer of like you're not at all this bloke really you're just pretending to be he really made me care about them when he was like we're getting married and everything I was like, <laughs> I was like Look at you two <laughs> I think because I, I, would, I would agree Harry I, I personally thought I thought Maya Taylor as Alexander was incredible yeah. I thought she was so good. I think the woman who played Cindy, is it Katana? Yeah. I can't, I don't know. Yeah, she, I thought her performance, like emotional performance was excellent. Mm. I think her d- delivery at times was a little bit tricky to quite get because she oh, just yeah. spoke so quickly. Yeah. There are times I was like, I'm yeah. just going to have to work out what I think is going on. And I was in general correct, so it was fine. Um, but yeah, I, I was surprised because you say we have had some duff moments here and there with some kind of first-time actors and i would say that i mean especially especially my tale i thought she was superb yeah my 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 enjoyment of the film went through the roof once i'd switched the subtitles on i almost feel like i need to watch the first half hour again it didn't mm. took me a while to get into it but once i turned the subtitles on i was just missing as you say this cindy's character i was missing a lot of her of her lines to be honest Mm. Yeah, there was some there was some corkers that I wouldn't have heard, but I read, and I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> "Well read, sir." Because <laughs> only you texted me one, and they're like, "That was hilarious." And then I watched the film, and I didn't hear it. 
because <laughs> this, you know, for that reason. So I was like, oh man. So I might have to go back and watch it again just for that night. Yeah, the acting was um, I was very impressed across the board. And like I know I mentioned it about the the sort of the first scene in general, but like the acting in that bit as well. I've never seen a film so much where I watched the first five minutes and thought this is going to be fucking terrible. And I've watched it and it's been like I've really enjoyed it. Like it's the best turnaround. In terms of- I feel I I feel very similar. I feel very similar. I loved the ending as uh, well. I was also- so satisfied by the final like ten minutes. This absolute mm. crescendo. Whatever you thought about the donut time, because I think it was maybe trying a bit hard to to make all ends meet and last a bit long, but it was fun anyway. But then just that complete calm, tragic, sad, but hopeful for some people ending was just so lovely. I really, really- I I think, I I would agree, Neve, and I think there's an element to which that I think it's so earned because you start off the donut time scene and it's like, you know, this is the kind of confrontation between the pimp and the boyfriend, the two women and, Alexandra's also there just because she's trying to be a friend or whatever and then it all kind of you know spirals when Razmik and his family starts up and it really takes the spotlight kind of away from the primary storyline and that scene ends up being so much about the family that you kind of think oh well you know that that the primary storyline is just going to kind of end up maybe without really a resolution and it's just going to be we'll just carry on the way we were or something like that and so for the fact that it kind of feels like that and they're all kind of outside having a smoke, whatever. And then you then get that final kind of kick in the, you know, kick in the teeth that Alexandra slept with Chester as well. That's when it all kind of really blows up. And I thought that was so well done that it's not two stories trying to reach their point, their kind of height at the same time. There's a little bit of a kind of, you know, okay. I don't know what words I'm trying to use there's like five minutes between the two that allows you to kind of get some resolution from one and then some resolution mm. from another one. Oh yeah, it's impressive that they tie up Raznik's story without him really being connected to the other story that much. Like, I think that's it's impressive, you know, that you see not too much of him and his family dynamic, but, I mean, his is a sad ending, or if it's, you know, a, a down ending perhaps, but it's a really good point, Gus, that then... Most films you'd expect it all to come crashing together, but they kind of let him and that story have its bit and then move on to the next. It, it never, I thought Donut Time seems a little long, but it never felt like, oh, they're mucking about with this. It, it was a good build, I think. I really enjoyed the Donut Time scene. I thought it was a well earned uh, squabble that was just very entertaining and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Maybe it wasn't a technically great scene, but as far as an entertaining end to a, uh, you know, a build-up which, you know, had been sort of long in the running, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I did feel very sorry for the uh, poor owner of Donut Time. He's <laughs> <laughs> trying to go about selling her donuts. She was, like character. She was just so sick of that shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. She was so sick of that shit, she let it go on for so long. Though. I know, I yeah. Like- <laughs> Um, what? 20 minutes before she actually said she was calling the police she threatened to call the police and just <laughs> let it go it was like it was almost like she said it because that's the realistic thing to say and then the, then there was like oh but actually the scene needs to happen yeah. so maybe we'll just let this run but that's the um kind of uh costume designer producer 
that that's who plays that character. Was, I oh, amazing! Um, and she yeah. she's also in well, a few, quite a few of them are also in Florida Project as well, which is quite oh, nice. Cool. Definitely gonna watch that next. Yeah, I will watch that. I felt I watched like it again today. <laughs> <laughs> Throughout the film, there was a few times where people were like, "I'm gonna call the cops," or like the cops were there and all the rest of it, <laughs> and it really. Yes, you're gonna like this. It really set a sense of place <laughs> with, the f- <laughs> with the fact that everyone was so happy to threaten calling the police, but nobody did. Like, not even the cops wanted to get involved because they were like, "Look, we know how this runs. Like, mm-hmm. we're not, we're not actually wanting to upset the system at all. Like, the donut shop is the place where Chester does his business from, and like, the motel for all they say, we don't serve prostitutes." are running a brothel out of one of their rooms and like Mm. all of these places that are kind of trying to make these almost nominal like nods to the law and yet are really just like clearly this isn't going to work if everybody's actually reporting things like when uh cindy hopped the thing just to get into the subway and nobody said anything because it's like why would you are you going to be bothered to report that nah like Mm. just let it go and i thought it really set set the tone of, of the place that everyone was kind of going I will I'll do it I'll call the car I won't really I mean you literally <laughs> had the scene with the two cops didn't you where they were like oh what's going on oh it's Alexandra let's okay, go and he's just I'll, like I'll, get I'll, off I'll the car get off the car <laughs> yeah that was like he's so nonchalant Don't <laughs> there were points where I actually thought the policewoman was going to like force the John to give Alexandra the money I actually I thought, thought it was going to go that far she was like I'm actually going to yeah. force you to give the money um, you've solicited and you're going to pay that <laughs> I actually thought that was going to happen but I loved how like ripped his shirt was because she clearly like because it was the moment where she goes you just worked out I've got a dick or something and then That's she just fucking line. wailed on him all the way down the street <laughs> to back up into the cops <laughs> and his shirt was like ripped apart and he was like oh she just attacked me like out of nowhere <laughs> she just attacked you out of nowhere was, nah it was when they said we've been watching you cruising around for 45 yeah. minutes. Like, uh, well, I <laughs> good. Yeah. Why was the film called Tangerine? He had a little tangerine thing in his car. Yeah, freshness she bought him was tangerine. Oh, uh, that's uh, well, I, the apparently it was been... very orange and yellow, wasn't it? Mm. Interesting. Yeah, it was, I, I read it was because that's the colour of the kind of Los Angeles sky at sunset. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. I thought it was something to do with, like, and this is entirely showing my own biases against tangerines, but I was like, are they like a cheap alternative to oranges? And I wondered if that was, like, I, honestly, I was reading so into the title. I was like, yeah, because like, I was like, oh, all these men are, like, looking for partnership from rather than actually like trying to make an emotional connection they're just like paying for for the physical connection i was like like a tangerine instead of an orange laura i'm loving your very in-depth analysis of tangerine but what how do you have a bias against tangerines i don't know i think (laughs) where's that predication it's not that deep. <sighs> I think it's because I've never eaten, I'd never eaten like an actual orange until I was like well at university. Like I'd never had an actual, it had always been little shitty tangerines. So I, I was just like, yeah, oranges are for posh people. Tangerines are for normal people. You can't just buy an orange. They're expensive. Like, <laughs> I think tangerines are far preferable. They're much easier to get. Yeah. <laughs> tangerines. 
Oranges are always bigger than I think they're going to be as well. Yeah, Whenever right. I like, get an orange, I'm like, this seems way too big. And the same I can't like you in the kitchen, just not again. Trying to juice it. The only the only nice way of eating like a proper orange is to slice. Like, yeah, yeah, you've got to cut it in bits. Yeah. Orange, orange halftime segments. Yeah, is this yeah easy peel Or is that? Another fake orange. Got Clementine. <laughs> <laughs> nah, fruit pop. Oh, Jen's got a bias against Clementines now. The orange citrus. The orange citrus. I think easy peasy. Citrus Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Okay, there. That's my. That's the, yeah. Fine. This <laughs> is a wonderful <laughs> tangent for our Norwegian listeners. Tangent. Tangent. <laughs> tangent. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just so I, never. I, I, oh, I've lost the plot. podcast fans so enjoy this orange yeah. chat. Fruit content. <laughs> Fruit and yes, please. Yeah, I can just edit out you the first four minutes of the podcast. We'll talk about oranges from now. What the people want? Oh no. So Jen, why did you dislike it so much? Yeah, Bye. Jen. It's because I'm I'm listening to why everyone liked it and wondering if it will change my opinion. Um, I thought it's a narrative, so a, a trans narrative and a sex worker narrative that is woefully underrepresented. And I, I wanted to love the film so much, partly because of that. And I think it made important points. And I agree with it on that, on sort of, on, on the kind of, an, on an ideological scale, I really enjoyed the film. On a technical level, I hated the camera work and I asked halfway through and have they just done it, have they just done this on phones because they didn't have enough money to do it on cameras. I hated the soundtrack. I found it disorientating and, and just, I just found it just irritating and distracting and disturbing. Um, I hated a lot of the acting. I really, really hated it and I really wanted to like it. Um, so on a technical level, there's just like a, a list of boxes that for me, I have, you know, I'd like to check at least a few off to really enjoy a film. And I just didn't. I thought there were some moments as well that were genius. And but then the rest of it, it made me sad that there weren't more. So I thought, you know, the, the car wash scene was amazing. I did enjoy the ending. I thought towards the ending, I warmed to this film a lot more than I had for the previous, however much of it. I hated the, let's just do 50 scenes of Cindy stomping around the city. I thought, oh my God, how many of those do you need? I just got so bored and her <laughs> sitting at the bus scene the one that you found really funny Gus I found it fucking annoying I was like what why are we watching this like it was so long it was just such a long shot of random people getting off a bus before she decided to do what we all knew she was going to do anyway so that the, the kind of use of time I really struggled with um I think we've already kind of covered it's unfortunate when a film is labeled as a comedy when it's in my mind, not really a comedy. And I think I was let down a bit in my expectation versus reality there. Um, but a lot of the bits that people found funny, 
that is why I asked because I didn't find any of that funny and I just I find it really interesting you know and this is why I love film club because there's no way I would have watched that film otherwise and I really hated it and I've had to sit here and justify to myself <laughs> why I hated it so much I really oh, American honey. we've been there we've been yeah. there <laughs> I really wanted to love it but I hated the acting I hated the way it was shot I hated the soundtrack I hated a lot of the timing I hated the bloody donut scene like <laughs> Which, yeah, I don't know. I I did love a couple of moments. I loved Alexandra singing. And actually, as you said, Harry, that shot, the kind of, there were a couple of still shots where everything felt a bit more balanced and, and <coughs> allowed me the space as a viewer to really enjoy what was going on. And those moments I think have really stuck with me. I never ever want to hear that horrible fecking music while watching someone stomp around ever again because I feel like I've seen a lifetime's worth. <laughs> um, Alex, what do you think? Um, I, I enjoyed it more than Jen, than I think. <laughs> Not hard. Yeah. There, there was, yeah, I, I had a, a few things. Like I thought the iPhone thing was was cool, um, but I, I didn't, I didn't kind of, it's, as everyone else said, I settled into that very quickly. Um, there are a few acting things like what I really didn't enjoy, like the end of the donut time scene. There's a cup. There's a bit of interplay just after the big reveal um, of the other cheating. I think like Dina or a diner says, "Oh, like he's gonna fuck you up for like way worse than how he you just fucked me up or something like that," which just like really dragged me out of what was going on. It just felt like everyone was was falling over. Then actually, the line Chester says after that of like. Oh yeah, it's, this is a girl thing, sort of between you. No, yeah, we just like, oh, you like shut up. It's some derogatory comment that he then says twice. I'm just like, is this? Is this scripted? Is this what's going on? Is this a mistake that's gone in? Like, there's just a few moments that made me that drew me out of it because it was. I I got caught up in it very nicely and I enjoyed it. But there was the odd thing. I was just like, oh, um, it found. I think I'm doing it a disservice. But there was occasionally the moments where it felt more like a project, someone's project that they were making. And there were these kind of little glitches in it that pulled me out of it rather than like a nice glossy film. And maybe that was intentional, I don't know, but it meant that I wasn't kind of drawn in as much as I would have liked, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think a scene for me that sort of typified that as well was when mother-in-law is in the taxi to go find Resnick. And some of the editing there was really bad. Like there mm. were just jumps in the conversation where like, it was meant to be the same frame. The conversation was meant to have continued and the camera just shifted because they'd cut it together really badly. Mm. Um, but yeah. in contrast, another scene that I thought was beautiful that no one else has mentioned yet was when Cindy was doing Dinah's makeup in the toilet. I thought that was so beautiful. Yeah. Um, just wanted to highlight that. Really wanted some crack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I agree, but no, there's the odd thing. We've, someone else mentioned it in the donut time shot about the use of the person calling going to call the cops and I felt like that was almost a crutch to be able for, for the editor and for the editing which was like quick we need to, we need to like reset um shot to the store owner go threatening to call the cops then go back because she kind of just did the same thing each time and I was like is this <laughs> I, I agree I think that that because I, I didn't have too many problems with the donut time scene apart from I think Harry touched the fact it was probably a touch long but that was really odd because it kind of, you didn't really, 
I think it's it was it's in there almost as our expectations of viewer. Our expectation of viewer is if this was happening in your place of work, you'd do something about it. Whereas actually, as we've been touched on, this is where Chester, you know, runs his business. So therefore she should expect she knows some surely some element of what to expect from this potential situation. So we don't need to go back to because you, you know you're right. We did go back to like I feel like so many times for just like a you know can you quiet down or I'm going to call the cops or can you get out now or stuff like that. And it's like just don't go back to her. It's not necessary because we know how we'd feel in that situation, but we we don't know exactly why how this all works out. So you know you just don't need to go back to her so often. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sounds like maybe we maybe we may be done. <laughs> um, I'll just quickly. Nice. I, don't, I don't. I don't think Pav's got much more anything, especially. Da -da -da. Um, oh, we did mention. I thought this was quite nice. He called it like a, a search for the golden fleece type film, <laughs> which I thought was a very uh, nice way of putting it. He was um, still in a couple of people. He he was quite reluctant to get on board, but then ended up enjoying it. Um, he, I think, the, similar to what you said, Lara, about vlogs. He thought some of the scenes felt like they were kind of like vines, almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and the fact they were quite, you know, just kind of short snaps and stuff like that. Um, he thought uh, a high, one of the highlights was drunk Martin Sheen in the cab. Um, <laughs> the bloke telling the story about why he was named after a bird or whatever. Um, I like that. <laughs> he loved the Armenian Christmas tunes. <laughs> um, and there he the mishmash of classical music and classical film intro didn't work for him um, he thought overall the mix of kind of supporting roles whether they were played by real actors or non-actors was what did work for him. Uh, he also mentioned the Cinderella thing Neve, with the one shoe um, and then I just thought I'd say what his final statement was because I thought it was very funny enjoyed it more than expected considering i watched a blowjob in a car wash with my mum <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> there you go um so if no one has anything else they want to touch on should we do scores yeah 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 okay so start with me and we'll go so max uh nine uh, Lids? Seven. Lara? Seven. Uh, Pav was an eight. Bradley? Eight. I'm a nine as well. Jen? Four. It was going to be lower, to be fair. <laughs> 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 Generally, I really enjoyed the discussion. <laughs> um, Charlotte? Seven. Seven. Uh, Anna? Eight. Eight. Um, Alex? Six. Six. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, Ollie? Uh, eight. Eight. Uh, Nicholas? Eight. Eight. And Neve? Eight also. Eight. Lovely jubbly. Tangerine can currently be streamed in the UK on all four. Thank you to Anchor 
for helping us make this podcast and to Alex Conway for composing our theme music. Thanks for listening and we'll be back again soon with another episode. Goodbye.